Well, did you bring your Bibles? All right. Are you ready for a quick word? You took all the time worshiping this morning. I got to talk really fast this morning, go through this really quick. <laughs> Amen. So uh, let's make our declaration this morning. Are you ready? This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your word that is truth, that is health, and that is life to us. And we give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. So if you would, guys, we have the first couple slides up there. The one is the scriptures we've been using for this. One, I believe, is Ephesians 2.10 or Jeremiah. There there it is, Ephesians 2.10. So we've been talking about following God's plan. In Ephesians 2.10, the New Living Translation says, We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do the good thing He planned. Somebody say plan. He planned for us long ago. So God has a plan for your life. He doesn't want just a haphazard, wander around haphazardly. He has plans for our life. He designed it. He drew a blueprint, if you would, for our life. Jeremiah 29, we know 11 says this, For I know the what? The plans I have. I like that because it's plural. It's not just a plan. It means it's plan. And in my life, I, look, I believe that every stage in my life, God has a plan. So whatever season I'm in, God has a plan for that season. Amen? So God has a plan for you says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for what? To give you a what? A hope and a future. So God is always future focused in our lives. Praise the Lord. God is always looking forward and that's so important for us to do. Now this morning I'm going to give you a little bit because I want to talk to you for a few minutes just about the law of increase and multiplication. God's plan for everything is to grow and to increase. In Genesis 1, he told uh, Adam and Eve, he said, let us go down and make man in our image. And then they spoke over them. He said, be fruitful and multiply and increase and replenish the earth. So God always ordained that what being created in his image, that we would be a fruitful people and a people that have increase and multiplication connected to our life. That means our walk with God should not be a singular life, but a multiplying life. Meaning you should have impact and have significance in your life and your walk with God in touching other people. Hallelujah. Go, go with me, if you would, real quick to Deuteronomy chapter 1. I want to read this scripture to you. And we'll read Acts also chapter 6. Deuteronomy, they've come through the wilderness, they're about to enter in, and God is repeating the law to them a second time, Deuteronomy law given a second time. But I want you to look at chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Moses is declaring here, the Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in the multitude. So in 400 years, that sounds like a long time, amen, I'm almost a fourth of the way there, glory to God. But in 400 years, what happened is, is that the nation of Israel had gone from just a family, just a handful of people, less than 100 people going into Egypt, to over 2 million people coming out. That's what, that's what Moses said. God has multiplied you, produced increase through your life. So why? As the stars of the heaven in multitude, look at verse 11. May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous then you are and bless you as he has promised you. So God always thinks of increase. Are you with me? 
Now go with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, following the day of Pentecost, the church is growing. How many know on the day of Pentecost, there was 120 in the upper room? By the end of the day, what? There were 3,000 souls, God saying. How many know that's increase? How many know that's actually multiplication? Amen? To go from 120 to over 3,000, that, that's, that's increase in multiplication. And so then as things begin to grow, by the time you get to Acts chapter 6, that the church is almost 20,000 people. I mean, no, that's increase. And so they're getting together and they're saying, hey, we got some problems here. We got a lot of people and we got problems. How many know people always come with problems? So in dealing with that, they have all these problems. And so they say, hey, one of the problems that we have is that in trying to take care of the widows and the orphans and distributing food and caring for one another and ministering to one another, we're having confusion. People are feeling like they're neglected. That never happens in a regular church today. Nobody ever feels neglected or shunned or overlooked. But there they were having this problem, so the disciples said, hey, what are we going to do? And, and the apostles said, hey, we'll do this. Choose you out seven men among you, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, have a good report that we may appoint over these things. So how many know they came up with a plan? So they came up with a plan, how are we going to deal with this situation? And then they enacted that plan, and as a result of enacting that plan, as a result of putting people over that and administering that so the apostles wouldn't be drawn away into those affairs, but they could give themselves to the Word of God in prayer, look what happens. It says in Acts chapter 6, and in verse 7 it says, And the Word of God spread, and the number of the disciples, what? Multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. So 20,000 wasn't enough. They continued to multiply the number of believers. And watch this. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So God gave a plan in the middle of that. So God is a God of increase and multiplication. But if I'm going to live with increase and multiplication in my life, I have to believe that God wants my life to be significant. People, we put people down, we categorize people, we make people feel like they're insignificant, like they don't matter. God never sees anybody insignificant. So I put a couple of things together. I want to walk you through these slides before we jump into the outline. So put that next slide up. So we need to be willing to declare and decree increase and in multiplication into your life. You have to be bold in your faith with God. Job says, you shall decide a thing and you shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. So you have to believe in the God who created you for more. Your life was created for more. No matter where you are, this is my stance, if you're vertical and breathing and moving forward. If you're still vertical. Anybody still vertical in the house? Okay, that means you're alive. Are you breathing? Amen. Are you moving forward? You should be moving forward. That because God says, I know the thoughts I to give you a hope and a future. So I need to be forward focused. So you need to believe in the God who created you for more. Put the next one up if you would, please. So what do I do? We're sowing a life of significance. Every time I sow my life, when you're born again, you sow the seed of your life into the soil of his kingdom. How many know God ordained that every seed will produce multiple Amen. You sow a grain of wheat, it produces a whole head of a star. You sow an apple seed, it produces an apple tree. Amen. You, you sow whatever it is, you sow a, a corn seed, it produces a corn stalk with ears of corn. And multiplication, that's the will of God for your life. So when you sow your life into the soil of his kingdom, you sow a life that becomes a life of significance. Show the next one if you would, please. Success is winning, but significance is helping what? Others win. 
Success leaves a fingerprint, while significant leaves a footprint on the hearts and minds of others. What a great statement. What if we chose to live like that? Amen. To be significant. Show the next one if you would, please. At the end of life, what really matters is not what we bought, what we built, not what we got, but what we shared. Not our competence, but our character. Not our success, but our significance. So live a life that matters. Live a life of love. And when you love others, you live for others. Amen? And you give to them. Show the next one if you would, please. You may feel insignificant, but you can choose to live significantly. By living the way God has commanded. I love the picture there because it's a, it's a chess pawn. Well, I'm just a pawn in the chess game of life. doesn't matter. I don't make that much difference. But every now and then, the pawn puts the opponent in checkmate. Amen? So believe to be a pawn that brings checkmate upon the enemy. doesn't matter. But see, that's what we do. You, you live in a world that classifies you, stations you, positions you, and, and declares things over you. Don't listen to the world. Listen to God. Listen to what His Word says over you. Amen? Show the next one if you would, please. Your gifts are not about you. Your leadership's not about you. Your purpose is not about you. A life of significance is about serving those who may need your gifts, your leadership, and your purpose. We live in the me society. The American dream is that I succeed. God's will is that you help others succeed. Amen. And, and, and through helping, you, you can never sow without reaping. Amen. And people are so focused on reaping and receiving that they miss the benefit of sowing and being a blessing to others. So those who need you, this one, now watch this. This is powerful. Watch this. No, go back. Go ahead. You're all right. Go ahead. Watch this. So think about Nehemiah. What did Nehemiah do? He, he, he's working in, in, in captivity over here, and, and, and then God begins to stir in his heart. He hears about the walls of Jerusalem broke down. He goes before the king. God gives him favor. He gets the king to pay for the rebuilding of the wall. But think about this. Here he is rebuilding. I think, well, why do you put it on me to rebuild the walls of, uh, of Jerusalem? Why do you do this? But look at this. God put in your heart, put in your God put you in your mother's womb that you could be the instrument to build the walls and the gates that I will ride through in roughly 433 years from now. So Nehemiah rebuilt the walls and Jesus rode through them 433 years later. So when you live for significance, you're leaving something behind. It's not about success, it's about what you build that passes on to that. We began this year talking about being generationally minded, living to pass on the generational blessing, thinking about that, that not just living to have, but looking, how do I pass this on? How do I transfer that? God says that the blessing goes to a thousand generations. So live to be a blessing that passes on to the next. And many times we look, well, I don't see the significance, but when you live for future and you live for the plans of God. Live that something you did now will affect somebody generations to come. Are you doing okay? So powerful. The last one. Put the last one down. We all die. I wish I could tell you you won't. Unless the rapture comes today, you, we just might. Amen? 
So my mom, I love my mom. My mom be 94 in October. And so she's still going strong, but she tells everybody, she, they go, how you doing? She says, I'm doing fine. I'm not going down. I'm going up. Amen. Amen. She's like this. I mean, my mom's strong. I believe she told the Lord, you're coming back before I die. And the Lord said, okay, D. <laughs> Those of you who know my mom know what I'm talking about. Amen. So watch this. So we all die. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something what? So, how, so if you don't think about that, and if you're planning your life, if you don't think future focus, if you don't think how God sees you, you won't plan anything just past your own personal significance. But God wants you to pass something on that has generational impact to live for something greater than just yourself. Can you say Amen. All right. So look at your outline. I only have three minutes to finish this. But it'll, it'll go fast because a lot of it's just points that we're going to talk about. So God is a God of increase and multiplication. He has ordained that everything alive would grow and increase. If we are following his thoughts and plans for our life, then we too can believe to see increase and multiplication as a part of his plan for his life. If I'm following God's plan, then I have to believe for increase and multiplication to be a part of my life. God has never done until we are. So wherever you are, if you've quit, if you've thought you've reached a certain age, I, there's a lot of people, I want to make a million dollars by the time I'm 35 so I can retire. What a waste of a whole life. So but people, yeah, okay, go ahead, be successful, make money, do it, but never retire. Never quit. Keep going. Keep pressing. God's not done until you are, which is why he declared that when a person's life is planted in the house of God, they will flourish and bring forth increase even in old age, which means that age is not a factor that diminishes increase and multiplication flowing through our lives. Our faith and our courage is to follow his plan. Amen. Whether we have it or whether we don't will determine whether we see increase. As I said before, I want to live my life to allow God's kingdom increase to flow through my life. To live for more than just a minifin expectation of what life in Christ is all about. Some of you have just admit, what's your, what's your faith in God for? What do you believe in? Oh, I'm not much. I don't have much expectation. I don't need much. I've had people say, I don't need much. It's not about your need, Bubba. It's about what God wants to do through your life. God's always trying to get us to see what he could do through our lives if we would just say yes. yes. He wants to do more than just meet our need. Hallelujah. So there's always more. And an opportunity is always around us. So here's the question. What are you waiting for? God has a plan and a purpose for your life to be fulfilled in this season. And it's connected to the fulfillment of his eternal purpose coming to pass in this prophetic hour. You, whether you realize it or not, you are living in a very prophetic hour. If you look at anything happening in world events right now, it is so significant that we are in a conflict with Iran right now. It doesn't look at it, but I was focused on Jerusalem, and that's a huge part of it. But what's happening with Iran and what's happening with these engagements that's taking place, it could be soon be catastrophic. Amen. And what would take place? It could usher in really prophetic fulfillment that we've been reading about in end time for a long time. And we don't set dates on that. We don't look at that. But there's a lot of things that are lining up that declare that the fulfillment is coming to pass. 
Amen. People start looking at different things. Every time a major event happens, people are starting to say, this is it, this is it. No, I just know this. This is close. We're closer than we've ever been before to the prophetic hour coming to pass. So that means it's harvest time. It's harvest time right now. The church is the big deal. We're, we're, we're living in what they call the post-Christian era, where people are moving away from church, where you have people who are identifying as nuns. I don't have, I, I have none. I have no religious affiliation at all. And so the, that percentage is growing while believers are shrinking. Amen. People in church attendance doing that. Thank God for technology. I say it all the time. But this technology, being able to watch online or do that, was supposed to be something to help you when you're sick, when you're on vacation, when you're not here. It's not to be an excuse not to assemble, not to be a part. Because you can't grow without connection. You can't have a life of significance watching through a, a video or something like it. It takes personal connection. Amen? And so do this. The church is the only thing that hell cannot prevail against. And the only thing Jesus said that he was building in the church. Jesus said in Matthew 16 to his disciples, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So if you want to be in the place that the devil has no authority over, be in the church. Amen. And then evaluate everything by this. We must be about building and growing the local church and God's people or it's not worth doing. If it's not bringing increase to the kingdom and the church, then it's not worth doing. Again, Jesus said, I will build my church. So let's deal with multiplication for a moment and walk through this in the next just few minutes here. Look at then the inside of your outline. Multiplication is not mysterious. Multiplication is not mysterious. Revival, increase, multiplication in the kingdom of God come in direct response to the amount of prayer we invest and put forth. Everything God does, He does in answer to prayer. Amen. Prayer is the most significant thing you can do. A prayer life is the most significant life you can have. Can you say amen? But yet we pray less than we should. How many know everybody could increase our prayer life? Well, if you want more multiplication, more increase, God, see, see prayer is communication with God. How many have a friend you haven't talked to in a long time? You talk to them, say, oh man, it's good to hear your voice again. That's what God says to you about your prayer life. <laughs> Man, we haven't talked for a long time. Good to hear your voice again. Amen. So it shouldn't be a long time between the time that you communicate with Him. Because if you, here's the key. If you talk to God, He will talk to you. Because I don't know what God's will is for my life. I don't know what God wants me to do. When's the last time you talked to Him about it? When's the time you last laid that out? Are you doing Okay. So if I'll show God, he will always reveal. Jesus said this. He said, my pastor taught us this years ago about the Holy Spirit. He had this great statement, and he just said, the Holy Spirit is always talking. He is the voice of God. And if I'm listening, I will hear him. But if I'm listening to everything else, I won't hear his voice. But he's always talking. So just say, speak Holy Spirit. I mean, remember when Pastor Gee was here, he had us make that declaration before he prayed. Speak, Holy Spirit. Teach, Holy Spirit. Heal, Holy Spirit. Amen? And so what would happen if you said that? Get up, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Lead me, show me, guide me. Jesus, I thank you. You sent him. You're the comforter sent to me. You're here to lead and guide me into all truth. What if you opened that up to him and believed that he would speak, that he would lead and he would guide and he would teach? Amen? It's powerful. Amen. So watch this. All these things... 
Revival, increase, multiplication are the dividends of prayer. If we prayed more and practiced more winning souls, we would see more increase and multiplication in the church. How many know you have to practice at anything to be good? Amen. Most people are intimidated about witnessing to somebody because you've never done that. You're intimidated. Matt, why would I do How would I do that? Well, you, you get better at something by doing it. Amen. And so by practicing, by witnessing somebody, by telling somebody. So look at the next part. What if we honestly sought to see how many people we could win to Christ? What if every person said, you know what? I want to see how many people I can touch for the Lord and win to Christ in my lifetime. Amen. Well, what if I became... See, I've learned this. That if I will be about what he's about, he will be about what I need. God has always taken care of my needs, my family, because I'm about my father's business. If I'm about his business, he always takes care of my business. Amen. He's faithful that way. Hallelujah. In fact, we know it. Jesus said it first. What did he say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. People say, as soon as I take care of all these things, I'll give God some of my time. Give me your time and let him take care of your thing, and things will turn around. Glory to God. So watch it. So how can we have lives and ministries that touch even more lives for Christ? Why should we even desire to do so? Because Jesus said the Son of Man didn't come to be served. In Luke 19, he said the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Peter said God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He told his disciples in Acts chapter 8, he says, wait in Jerusalem till you're endued with power and then you'll be sent forth as my witness throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So I'm going to make you a witness for me, someone who's going to talk about me and share who I am with others so that they might know me too. But we live in a society and a culture that's just about getting our own. Amen. Thank God. Once you, once you got saved, you got everything. You can write this down again. I've said it for years. and you know, The devil always wants you to believe what he knows is not true. The devil wants you to believe you're not saved, you're not healed, you're not blessed. He wants you to go after, oh, I, I just need, I need to get saved again, 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 again. No, did you pray the prayer? Did you mean it? You're saved. Amen. You're born again. Now live like a born again person. Start living it out. And, and, and if you've given your life to him, anything he receives, he blesses. The moment you give him your life, your life becomes mixed with his. What kind of life does Jesus have? Does he suffer need? Is he in want, in lack? Is he sick? No. So if our life is hid with him in Christ, are you doing okay? See, something would happen if we believe what we say we believe. All right, I know I'm meddling, but that's, I've tried not to, but the Lord keeps telling me it's my job. <laughs> Amen. So what if we do that? So ask yourself, how do you witness to others? Ask yourself, has God done something for you that you know he would do for somebody else? Does he have something that he's done in your life that you know would bless somebody else as well. Amen. Okay. Did he save you? <laughs> yes. Would he do that for somebody else? Yes. Amen. Think about that. The Apostle Paul 
everywhere he went, he said, let me tell you how I met Jesus. And would tell the Damascus Road experience. He would say what was going on in his life. This is who I was. This is what happened. And this is what God has done in my life. The man who was delivered at the tombs of Gadara with the legion of demons. He said, Jesus, I want to follow you. What did Jesus say? No, don't follow me. Go home and tell everybody what great things God has done for you. Amen. I love telling the story about how I got a little bitty, little bitty scar right there. And you guys heard me say it before. And a little brown spot over here. But that's all I have left of having third degree burns on my forearms right here and on my bicep from sliding down a telephone pole. Climbing up a telephone pole, hooking up cable, going to Bible school, up there on the thing, coming down, my gaff's cut out. And they say when your gaff's cut out, push away. Well, push away, the next thing you land on is terra firma. So they say, don't hug the pole because, you know, you get burns and slivers and all that stuff. So the pole and I became very intimate. And about 10 feet from the ground, my gaff's caught again and I stopped. And then I went down, but I went through the whole thing. And when I was going in for skin graft, the doctor said, we'll have to do skin graft on here. So that Sunday before skin graft, uh, on Wednesday I was having skin graft. Sunday at church I'm there, wrapped up, arm like the guest evangelist comes up, prays for me, Father, heal these arms in Jesus' name. That's all he said. I didn't fall down, I didn't feel the power, I didn't do anything. I just said, thank you, don't squeeze too hard. I go in, I'm on the gurney, they're in the pre-op room, they're prepping me to go in for skin graft. The doctor walks in to look just before the operation. He looks at your arm and says, we don't have to do these, there's new skin growing on your arms. Yeah. Amen. So what that means is, God gives you a testimony. Has he brought you through? Has God ever answered a prayer? Well then tell somebody about the time he answered your prayer. You called upon the name of the Lord and he answered you. That's how you witness for God. You don't have to quote scripture. I don't, I don't have to give you scripture. I give you experience. I can tell you what I've experienced. I know he's a living God because he's shown up alive in my life. Amen. So deal with that. Go and share that with those you meet. So how do we begin? What's the plan? So we've been talking about a plan. How do we do that? The plan is simple, but the discipline to do it is another story. Well, give me a plan. Okay, I'll give you the plan. Most plans are pretty simple. The problem is the diligence to follow it through. Having discipline and diligence to stay with the plan. So what do I do? I'm, I'm going to give you some things here. How many like to see your church grow? How many like to see family members saved, friends saved, people you work with saved, people you don't know saved? Amen. So what's it? What if you prayed every day for a month specifically in these areas? So you're praying during your devotion. What if you added these areas to your prayer time for one month? Pray specifically for vision to see it. See what? Increase multiplication and souls being saved. Or a way to reach people. Pray specifically, God, show me how to reach somebody. What if every day you prayed for a month, God, show me how to reach somebody, how to touch somebody, how to share with somebody what you've done in my life. What if you did that every day for a month? That didn't take very long. What if you prayed for boldness to do it? So after you said, God, give me the boldness to act. So what they say, they said, Lord, grant to us, Acts chapter 4, they prayed after being threatened. Grant to, God, grant to us that with all boldness, we may speak your word. God, give me boldness. God, help me get over my timidity. Help me lose my excuse. Help, help, help me quit trying to back out. Help me to press forward. Amen. 
What if you prayed for boldness to do it, to take action? What if you prayed for souls to receive it? Father, I thank you that if you'll lead me to them, I thank you that you'll go before me and prepare their hearts to do it. Holy Spirit, nobody can come to the Father unless you draw them. So I thank you right now. You're preparing their heart. You're opening the door. You're making a way so that when I speak, God, you've already gone before me and, and you've softened their heart. You've opened it up for them to receive. Amen? And, and sometimes you just be bold. Come on. It doesn't matter whether they like you or they don't like you, whether they accept you or don't. The goal is they just might receive and believe. You've heard me tell the story a couple years ago. We were playing in the golf tournament, and we're up on this one hole, and they had this air cannon where they go, hey, if you give us 20 bucks, we'll shoot this ball down there. And you hit it one time. If you get on, then you get an automatic eagle and all that stuff. So, okay. And so you do that. And so the guy running the cannon just had a foul mouth. And we're there at this charity event for Koinonia for adoption and stuff with Sean and his church and stuff. And so the guy just kept cussing and cussing and cussing, dropping the F-bomb. Finally, I'd had enough. And as we're walking back to the cart, I just, I, the Lord just gave me a word. And I just had a word of knowledge from him. I said, but you've been seeking God for a long time and you're running. God's been dealing with your heart and you know it, don't you? Oh, man, hello. I broke down right there. I said, why don't you just give up and accept the Lord as your Savior and quit fighting God? Okay. He got saved right there. He prayed and accepted the Lord right there. His buddy was sitting over there in a chair. I said, what about you? You want to get saved too? Yes. But you have to be bold enough to say something, believe that God would use you. Are you listening to me? So pray for boldness and ask God to prepare the way. So God had already prepared for it. He, he just needed to get me irritated enough to say something. Are you doing all right? So pray for those open doors. What did Guy preach to us? We had Guy here for Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night. What did, he declared that this year is the year of the open door. So what if we believe that prophetic word that God gave him to speak over the church and believe that this is a year for an open door to see souls stay? So then pray for the church to increase it from Harvard. Not just for you, but for the whole church to cast. Father, I thank you. Everybody in our church is excited about being a soul winner. They're no longer content to be significant and live for their own life. God, I thank you that you show them that you have blessed them, that you have prospered them, that you're working for them, that you're going before them and coming behind them. Father, I thank you. You're their shepherd and you'll lead them and they shall not want. But God, they're released to be what you've called them to be. Just a thought. Amen. Okay, here's the next part. What if you fasted one day a week? Now, pastor, quit that. What if you fasted one day a week for God to send a great revival to you personally? To our region? And to our church? What if one day a week you fasted and prayed for the law of increase and multiplication to work through your life? You see, the problem is fasting takes denial and discipline. We want to fast things that don't cost anything. I'm not going to watch Netflix today. I'm fasting Netflix. I'll fast social media for a day. I'll fast this. I'll fast that. Just fast your phone for a day. Oh, no. I can go 15 minutes without looking at my phone. Amen. That's why most of you carry, I'm, I'll just meddle right here. Most people carry their phone as their Bible because you don't want to be out of con contact with the world. You don't want to give up. Somebody might call me. Somebody might need me. Somebody, you, your phone has made you omnipotent. 
It's made you available to everybody. It's made you omniscient. You're everywhere. You're always present in everybody's life you know. And they may need me. They may detect me a picture. Their latest selfie. I would miss it if my phone was off. So my phone is now my Bible so I can stay connected to the world more than I am to God. Thank you for that. Amen. When I'm in this book, I get no notifications except from God. The only one who speaks to me when I'm in this book is the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. I know I'm meddling again, but that's the way it goes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's lots of churches you can go to that don't meddle. Amen. So watch it. Denial and discipline produce increase and spiritual power. The disciples came to Jesus. Why could we not cast him out? The the man had brought his demon-possessed son to the disciples and said, Can you get my son delivered? Now, other times, they'd been out. Luke chapter 10, they'd gone out, cast out devils. Even demons are subject in your name. But now they're in this situation where they don't have any power. Because there's a price for spiritual power to walk in the anointing. You have to pay the price to walk in the anointing. Amen. And Jesus said this kind only goes out by fasting and prayer. So there's bondages over people's life. There's people you're praying for that need those, that oppression broke over their life. Those strongholds broke over their life. It'll take fasting and prayer to break that and to release the anointing into their life. Amen? So what do I do next? Here's a simple thing. Bring an unsaved friend or person to church with you every Sunday for a month. Oh my gosh, that would take effort. I would have to talk to somebody. But see, nothing happens significantly without purpose and the intention to do it. You have to intentionally purpose to do things. You have to intentionally purpose to follow a plan. How do I do that? Believe in the love of the Father for them and demonstrate the faith of a friend to them. I remember the account in Matthew uh, uh, or in Mark chapter 5 or or 4 or 2 in Mark. About the four friends carrying their friend to Jesus. Four friends carry one friend who's paralyzed to Jesus. Because they, they had heard about Jesus, what he could do, and they wanted their friend to receive what Jesus could do. So their friend, they had the faith of a friend for their friend. And they got them to where the love of God could reach him. And when they got there, there was no access, so they crawled up on the roof, ripped the roof off, and let the man down through. And listen to what it said. And Jesus, seeing not his faith, seeing their faith, ministered to his friend. So let God see your faith for your friends and believe in His love for them. Amen? So what do you have to do? You have to purpose to find them. Set a goal to bring them. Right now here's something that you may not understand, but look at the next point. Purpose to be a tither for the next 90 days. You say, Pastor, what does that have to do with multiplication and increase? Because it's a spiritual truth. What What does this have to do with soul winning? Tithing opens the windows of heaven. Tithing creates an open heaven. And an open heaven releases the angels of God to ascend and descend. 
And Hebrews 1 says that the angels of God are ministering spirits unto the heirs of salvation. So how many know we need angels going forth? Psalms 107 verse 20 says that the angels are, uh, excel in strength and they hearken to the voice of his word to go forth and execute his command. So when we're living under an open heaven, the angels have freedom to move and minister to those who are supposed to be inheriting the kingdom of God. Amen. Giving opens a door in our own hearts and lives to greater faith and acts of obedience. If I can step out in obedience and giving, if I can have faith to believe God in giving to meet my needs in the natural, then I can have faith also for Him to use me in spiritual gifts and ministry. Giving, any act of faith opens a door to believe God and to have greater faith and for God to do greater things in your life. What does that mean? Look at the next point in your outline. It takes great faith and courage to be a soul winner and a kingdom builder. Giving makes me place my faith in God and increases my faith in Him to not only supply my physical and financial need, but also to apply by His Spirit what I need to be what I need in order to be used by Him in reaching the law. When, when I can trust God to meet my need, then when I go forth and I need Him to work through my, I need Him to supply what I can't buy with fifty bucks, what I can't buy with the, I can't buy it. He has to supply in the Spirit what I need to minister to people. And so I trust in Him. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. So I trust him for the supply. I need the supply of the spirit, but I can't buy that with money. But by believing God, if I trust you with my finance and I see you come through and bring provision in my life to meet my needs, to feed my family, to provide for housing, clothing, transportation, everything I need. God, you're faithful in meeting my need. You will meet my need in ministering to the lost as well. Glory to God. That's good preaching right there. Amen. So let me close with this. How do we deal with it? Find others who will join hands with you. Find somebody else to get in agreement with you. Amos says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Husband and wife, you should start agreeing together to be soul winners together. You've heard me tell the story. When Sue and I were engaged and uh, we're getting ready to be married during the summer, just a couple months before our wedding in October, and we had a missionary come to New Life Assembly from India, and he preached his powerful message, showed all the pictures and everything, yeah, and did all that. But, but I've just given my life to God. I'm just serving God. I don't know. Man, I'm in my first year of Bible school. I'm just seeking God with all my heart and just trying to figure out, God, what do you want to do? I've given my life to you. I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. And so he gives this Sunday night. He gives the altar call. And I just laid at the altar for almost an hour after church, just saying, God, I'm yours. I'm all in. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just declaring I'm all in. And so I take her home after church. I pull in her driveway. I said, I need to ask you a question before we go any further. I said, I don't know what God's going to do. But I, what are you going to do if he calls me to be a missionary to India? Because I'm kind of like, if you ain't going, this is done. And she goes, if it's God, we'll go. That's a good answer. Amen. If it's God, we'll go. And so God didn't send us to India. He sent us to Bieber, which is really like India. <laughs> Amen, Riz? Amen. 500 people with 29,000 million mosquitoes. Amen. It was awesome. 
but she went there. And it was a miracle because when we went from Bernie to Bieber, I said, honey, I feel like God's calling us to Bieber. She goes, God will have to speak to me in an audible voice. <laughs> when we got to Bieber, I said, when did you hear his voice? She went. It was awesome. It was a great six years. It was awesome. It led to us getting here. So what I mean, you need somebody who will join hands and join hearts with you. Sue and I have had joined hands and a joined heart for the ministry now for all these years. You need people like that in your life. Our church needs to be like that. You need to join hands with your pastor in this. Amen. Join your hearts with this. People who join purpose with you to win the loss. So let me close. Remember that prayer is job one. Prayer is job one. Ask for wisdom as you seek who to connect with. You have to connect with the right people. People that have the same heart, same spirit. You need divine connections. I'm thankful that God's given us divine connections in all of our years in ministry. How many like the people that God sends into our church to minister? Isn't it awesome when they come in and they compliment what we're doing? That's divine connections. You need those in your life. Ask God to show you a need that will open a door to share the gospel with someone. Then after He shows you, move to meet the need. It just means you just need a divine idea. Once He gives you the idea, implement it. Increase in multiplication come through networking and connections. And that's the only thing I have. To online, I'm thankful we can watch online. We can get it online. You can rewatch online. We record it. You can replay it. Use it. All that. But you have to be connected. Network and connection are so important. Increase in multiplication come through that. Team building is key. Remember, it always takes longer to build by yourself than with others. Jesus network, Paul network, builders network, building. Kingdom relationship for increase and multiplication is so important. And lastly, purpose to follow God's plan and to live a vicarious life to produce kingdom increase and multiplication. What does that mean? When you get excited about somebody else's success as you are about your own. When you have more joy seeing them succeed. Every parent in this room wants your children to be more successful than you. You get excited when they succeed. And, and you, you root for them. <coughs> you want to push them. That's vicarious living. You get joy in their success. In the kingdom, we get the same thing. When people get delivered, when they get saved, when they're released to their potential in God. Desiring to see others reach their dreams brings more joy than reaching your own and produces, produces greater rewards. So be filled with joy when others prosper. Come on, if you hear somebody being blessed, rejoice with them. Amen. Whether well, spirit, somebody, somebody got healed, somebody got delivered, somebody got a breakthrough, somebody got a financial blessing. Man, rejoice with them. Rejoice with them. And then purpose to release others to live a vicarious life. Living for others and finding joy through others and their success in life in Christ. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. We're going to prepare communion here in just a moment. That's what Jesus has. He gave his life for you. He came and lived a life of significance for you. He sowed his life for you. So that you would be a benefactor of what he gave. And he said, this 
is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Receive it. And I love Oswald Chambers. I love reading his devotional, Our Upmost for His Highest. Because he has a great statement that God calls us to live our lives as broken bread and poured out wine. Can God call you to a life of broken bread and poured out wine? That you would allow your life to be broken and given to others. But watch what happened. Jesus laid down his life, John 12, 24, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Look at the multitudes of lives that have come into the kingdom through one life. One life of significance. One life of increase and multiplication. What if you said, Lord, I give you my life. That kingdom increase and multiplication would flow through my life for your glory. Lord, I live as broken bread and poured out wine that you might use my life to bring the lost to you. Your heart is to redeem, to seek and to save them. Father, go through them, through my life. What if you prayed that? Would you stand with me this morning? Just bow your head just for a moment. Father, today you told us to respect what we're about to do. To not take it lightly, but to examine our hearts before you. So, Lord, right now, each one of us as an individual ask you by your Spirit to search our heart. David prayed, search me and know me. Show me what's in my heart. So, Lord, we ask you to search our hearts today to reveal if there's any area we need to lay before you to ask forgiveness to. Because you said if we would repent that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So, Father, we ask for your forgiveness today in any area that we need to repent of. We want to be right before you. We want to receive and remember you with a right heart. So, Father, I pray for your people this morning that they have right hearts and open hearts to you and all you desire to do through their lives. In Jesus' name. Father, we hold in our hands just simple elements to help us remember. Jesus, you said as often as you will do this, in remembering me. So Lord, today we remember that you chose to give your life to be broken for you. And in doing so, we're declaring we choose to give our lives to be broken for you. To be defined by you with your purpose. To accomplish what you need to accomplish through our lives for your glory. Lord, you told the Father you glorified Him in the earth. And Lord, we're telling you today we want to glorify you through our lives in the earth. So we humble ourselves before you. We thank you for your forgiveness. And we declare we'll live as broken bread for you just as you live for us. In Jesus' name. Do you receive the bread with me?
Lord, as we receive the cup today, we remember there's nothing we did that made us clean. It's your blood that washed us and cleansed us. It's your blood that declares us righteous. So, Father, we thank you for the freedom and the cleansing of not just our hearts but our conscience, Lord, that we don't have to carry the weight and the burden of the past. You've cleansed us. You've watched us. And you've closed us with the robe of your righteousness. So we thank you, Father, for that cleansing through the blood of your Son. And we declare today we'll live in respect of that righteousness to live pure and holy before you. In Jesus' name, would you receive the cup? God's good, amen? It's a great day. So glad you came out today. Pray God's blessing over you. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be up here to pray with you.